Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. We're asking Brother Arnold to come. He's going to come and share his testimony. We're going to continue tonight with the power of your testimony. So we'll have him come on up. Praise the Lord, church family, and those who are watching through the internet. Praise God. I feel blessed being here this evening. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I I, I want to share my testimony as we were just told about my life and I'm going to keep it within 20-25 minutes um, because I'm a type that uh, I could keep going forever. But anyhow, I wanted to start like I grew up with three brothers and a sister and I had parents. They were very hardworking parents, very hardworking. And around my early years, around seven years old, my father, he began to um, start drinking and he became a heavy alcoholic. And um, so my mother worked two jobs he worked he brought home i would say a half of a check but my my mother brought the rest in and there were times when she would work on the weekend my brothers and i would would be home and and he was very um abusive as far as um physically you know he's a he's short in stature and i've always been a tall kid to an adult but um when we would get whipped he would whip my brothers with the belt but when it came to me, for some reason, during his drunkenness, he would get the belt and turn it around to the buckle, and he would just strike my back. I mean, he would beat me. And he says, oh, you think it's funny because you're tall and you don't feel it, huh? Well, I'll feel this. So that I, went, I experienced that time after time after time. Then when my mother would get home from work, my brothers, you know, my nickname at home was Non, N-O-N. So they, I, they would tell my mother, Hey, Mom, Dad, look at what he did to Nan's back. You have to look. And, and, and she would lift up my shirt, and she would see the, like, the welts on my back. And, and um, anyhow, she would just scream from the bottom of her lungs. And this went on for a couple of years, three, four years. And, and going to school, I had really, really a struggle in school. I could never read. I could never spell always made fun of, always called names. And I'm not here to give a pity party, but I'm here to share what God done in my life. And, and, and what took place was, is, you know, there was a time, I would say about eight, nine years old, and all that physical, I mean, that um, abuse, you know, uh, again, uh, physical and emotional. And I just, for whatever reason, I was very young, and I looked up and I told God in my own little child way, I said, God, you know, when I, when I see my wife, tell me it's my wife for the fact of, I don't want to live this kind of lifestyle. I don't want this for my wife. I don't want this for my kids. So anyhow, a little later on, I got a paper route, and I was out on my paper route, and I came across um, this church, this United Pentecostal church, which I, I didn't even know anything about. All to me, it was just a little white building and as I stopped at the corner I asked my friend that um, was um, lived around the block I said hey Donald I go what is that building because all kinds of crazy noise was coming out of it and we were going to Catholic church you know which a lot of us have and 
And he says, I don't know. My mom and dad says it's a church. I go, a church? That's a devil's church if it's a church. Why would it be making all that kind of noise? So anyhow, and, that w and then as we were playing baseball on the block, this bus would come by the church bus. And I remember stopping at um, a gentleman's house. His little brother would go. But as the bus would drive by and we would have to move to the curb to the street to let the bus go by, something always drew me to that bus. I would look at it, and I just felt something drawing to it. So anyhow, then at the age of like 13 years old, you know, I, I mean, I just went through a hard time, you know. I mean, to be frank, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, I was um, sexually abused a couple of times. I just kind of tore up life. It was tore up. Then I got into drugs. I got into drugs, and, and you know, it, it just made me comfortable. Then I found a group of um, teenagers that belonged to a gang, and, and I got involved with them because I finally found love. I finally found love. You know, I found acceptance. So I started, you know, messing up. And then when I got to ninth grade, I remember during night school, my friend and I were walking, I'm just loitering, just walking around night school. And then I looked to my left and I see these group, group of girls on the telephone booth. And I just seen Sister Arlene there. She was 14 years old. I was 14 years old. And I just got this like, unexplainable um, touch here and then I looked at my friend I go Mike you see that girl over he goes well there's a few I go no that one right there he goes well I go she's gonna be my wife and he looked at me like, like are you high now and anyhow anyhow I went over there and she was there and I said you're gonna be my wife and she goes, get out of here, you weirdo. And I, I, I pursued after her. I pursued after her until I got a hold of her, until I made her my girlfriend. So anyhow, um, from there I said, okay, I'm done with school. I don't need to go to school no more. I, I got what I needed. You know, I, er, I graduated in ninth grade, so I fell out of school. And, and I started working a graveyard shift to have money, bought a car. And, and I'm still doing my mischief. Then we got married at 18 years old. We started a family. And then around 23 years old, the devil came knocking at my door. And through my ignorance and no understanding, I opened it. And he really took me for a long ride. He took me for a long ride. I found myself doing things with my cousin, but by grace of God, he was baptized here. And we were doing things that were really, really off record. and. Um, and I felt, you know, and then we're getting deeper into drugs and that and what have you. And then there was a time I was going up Paramount Boulevard and I felt a drawing to the Catholic Church because I felt death on my back. I, I, I know you would say, well, how do you feel death? This was a spirit of death. It was death. And I felt my life coming to an end, especially the things that I was doing. So. I went into the church and he looked at me and said, what are you doing? I go, I need to go into the church. And he goes, hey, do you know what we just did? And you want to stop? I go, I need to go in there. I go, you wait here if you want. I need." I went to the altar and in my immature way, in my, I looked at the cross. I seen Jesus hanging on the cross and I cried out to him. I said, I, 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 I said, Father, I feel the book of life clothing on me. I said, I don't want to die like I am. I said, 
I said, Father, I want to see my children grow up, and I want to see their children grow up. I said, please don't let me die. So I left her. And as we went on a little later on, the bad that I was doing caught up with me, so the police arrested me. And as soon as that second handcuff got put on me, that spirit of death just left me. It, it, it left me. And I felt free, believe it or not. So I found myself in Norwalk Court facing 38 years. And I had my wife, she was going with my children, and I was so embarrassed and ashamed. I felt like, a, not a deadbeat dad, but like a dead dad. And she was going to every court appearance, and they gave me a special prosecutor. He wanted to give me so much time. And my wife wrote a letter to the judge and told the judge, would you please have compassion on him? He's a good man. He's a good man. Don't give him all the time that they want to give him. So when I went before the judge, he told me, your wife wrote me a letter, and she cried out to me. She says, there's, somebody, there's something good in you she wants to see come to pass someday. So he said, I'm not going to give you 38 years. I'm going to give you 16 years, because if I give you 16 years, that will put you away long enough to realize what you did. And if you come home to do it again, then you nothing will ever change you. So I went up north and he and then i got extradited to orange county and got another two years so i ended up with 18 year prison sentence i went up north and for the first four years from 84 to 88 i was locked up with no um contact visits and as soon as they released um they took off that band of close eight custody that they had me on i i, I was free and then i got transferred to another institution and I thought I was going to do so good. And what happened, I got involved in tr um, drug trafficking. I, I, I got involved in drug trafficking for three years. I was involved dealing with the drugs. It got me color TVs. It got me radios. It got me tennis shoes and clothes and everything I wanted in there. I thought I was something huge. And one day, my friend told me, this is where I really felt the Lord moving more in my life than ever. My friend told me, I want to stand in line with me. I want to call my grandma. I call her once a week. And then I said, okay, I'll stand in line with you. And as we were waiting, he goes, my grandma's a Christian. I go, and so? And then he goes, oh, she's really always praying for me. I go, well, that's good. So anyhow, when he got on the phone, he called her. And I'm standing right behind him. And then he says, Arnold, my grandma wants to talk to you. And I said, oh, I, go, I said like this to him. He goes, come on. Then he covers the phone. She's a Christian. Come on, she's an old lady. She wants to talk. So I go, hello. And she goes, Arnold? And I go, yes. And she goes, Jesus loves you. I go, okay, that's good. Thank you. And she said, my son told me you have a lot of time to do. I go, I'm halfway over with it. It's all downhill. I'm not worried about it. So she goes, well, I'm going to have my church family pray for you. I go, okay, thank you. I give him the phone after he hangs up. I tell him, you never do that to me again. Never put me on that spot. So time went on, and in this one institution I was transferred to, at that institution I talked to her, a little time went on, and then one of my friends, I was able to go to night yard and do act night activities because I wasn't on close custody anymore. So my one of these friends told me, goes, hey, um, um, you want to go to church with me? I said, church? He goes, there's going to be a certain denomination you know they have all them girls with the short skirts and i go yeah yeah i'll go 
I'll go, you know. So I ended up going, I was like, what, 30, 30 years old and I went and, and I went to the front pew. I was saying to myself, man, I, I'm gonna be number one, number one here. I mean, this is gonna be entertainment. And believe it or not, I mean, Sister Arlene, when I shared this with she, this old man with a Bible comes walking out of the back. And I looked and I'm looking, well, where's everybody else? And he picks up the microphone and he says, well, he says, our guests had to cancel. And I'm sitting there like, oh. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to sit here and listen to a man talk about God. So anyhow, he started his sermon and when I was sitting there, I felt needle tingles around me. And then I just said to myself, oh, he better not call me out because he started moving back and forth. And he goes, the Holy Ghost is on me and I feel the Holy Ghost moving and he's on me and he wants to use somebody here someday. I, uh, he, and then he points exactly at me. He goes, it's you he wants to use. And I said, you're crazy, old man. And I left. He embarrassed me in front of everybody. I, I mean, you know, you're supposed to keep this macho image you have inside there. So, you know, I got embarrassed. I walked out. And then another incident happened is I was leaving the chow hall, and there was a, a, a gentleman there named Sergeant Williams. He's standing at the door making the utensils dropped in the bucket. So as I was walking out, he said, um, he called me by my nickname, but he said, Arnold, I need to talk to you for a minute. I go, what's up, Sergeant Williams? He always had a glow on his face. He says, um, God wants to use you someday. I go, okay, yeah, all right, thank you. Walked out, you know, did my thing. I don't know how much longer after that, but what happened was is, is um, I was walking out of the same chow hall, and I got this, this, experience encounter with God it hit me deep down in my soul I mean deep and I just got a deep hunger for him a deep hunger for him so I told him well in my own ignorant way I said well if this is of you I can't shake it if this is of you I can't serve you here I have too big of a macho reputation with the drug sales and that you need to put me somewhere else. And believe it or not, I ended up getting transferred to somewhere else. And then I said to myself, okay, God, now I'm here somewhere else. Now what's next? I go, don't give me no wishy-washy Christian. I go, I won't want one of these people that pick up the Bible, that come in here and go home and throw it to the side and do drugs and come back in a revolving door. I go, I want the truth, all the truth and nothing but the truth. And he sent a man in my life. And this man, you think going through the boot camp of the Marine Corps would be bad. I've never been through there, but this man, he, I mean, he, he, I, I introduced myself to him and, and, and he told me, um, why do you want to serve God? He was really hard. It, I said, well, I just feel that God called me. I mean, he goes, you have a TV in your house? I go, yeah. Well, get rid of it. Do you have a radio? I go, yeah, get rid of it. He goes, you don't belong on the handball courts or the basketball courts. If, he goes, how much time do you have left? I go, oh, two years. And then he says, he said, you get rid of all that because if you want to serve God, he says, this is the place to serve him. This is the academy to serve him at. He says, so you get rid of all that stuff will distract you. So I got rid of everything in that. And, 
and um, he started teaching me about fasting. So we started learning about fasting, so I got really excited about it because I told him all the issues I had in my life and all the weaknesses and all the chains and bonds and that. So he said, you need to fast. He goes, fasting and prayer will remove that. So anyhow, my first fast, I got excited. You know, I said, well, I live for the devil really good, so I'm going to live for God. So I said, God, I want to give you 10 days on my first fast. I'm going to give you 10 days, and I'm going to start it on the day of Christmas because that's the best dinner that they serve of the year. So Christmas came, and through the grace of God, he led me through a 10-day fast, and I ended on January 3rd. And from there, I was led into more fasting and more fasting. And one day, the Lord led me into a 22-day fast. And the first eight days, I did not drink water. I did not brush my teeth. I stood in my little 10 by 8 prison cell on my knees, seeking after his face and seeking after his face. He led me into a 16-day fast, a 22-day fast, many 10-day fasts. And this one fast that I had, this one fast he led me in, what took place is I was on my knees crying out for deliverance. And I had my eyes closed and I seen these graves in front of me open. And I seen what I described as bats flying out of them, flying out of them. And it, this was an awesome experience, but I felt drug addiction, bam, broken. I, I, I felt womenizer, bam, broken. I, I felt um, all these addictions just breaking out of my life. And I felt like I was floating in heaven. And oh, wow, I was just so excited, so excited. So anyhow, going, going on, what took place is, um, Sister Ardeen, he told me, if you serve God the way I tell you to serve God, in eight months, your wife and children are going to be going to church. And people here that have been serving them for decades are going to wonder, why is his wife and um, family going to church when our wife and them are divorcing us? He says, you serve God the way I tell you to serve you. And then I told God, well, okay, God, well, I asked you to send me the truth, all the truth, none but the truth, so I have to do what he's saying. And in eight months, I told Arlene, on our first um, family visit, I told Arlene, I said, um, Arlene, um, I'm going to, I'm serving the Lord. And her response was, oh, Arnold, what are you up to now? She, I go, what do you mean? She goes, seriously, what are you up to? What, what are you up to now? I said, Arlene, God touched me, and I want to serve God. And believe it or not, it was seven months. God moved on Sister Arlene, and in one of our phone calls, she asked me, she asked me, I want what you have. And she came to visit on, a, on Easter weekend, and, and um, I, she said, what church do I go to? I go, I don't know. He told me it had to be an apostolic or a UPC church where they baptize in Jesus' name. And um, so anyhow, she went all the way back home, 300 miles back home on that day, ripped out a um, paper out of the phone book, brought it all the way back, and as we were going through the list of the church, I said, there's one right here. And when I seen it, it was the same church that I thought it was the devil's church at eight, nine years old. It was, and, and I dropped the paper, and she told me, what's wrong? I go, Arlene, this is the same church that I thought was the devil's church. So she attended there. Her and our three kids got baptized there. She started serving the Lord, and I was getting closer to coming home. And then 
rate, I, I went through a lot, talking about going through trials and tribulations. I mean, I went against all politics in there. Politics deal, I mean, has to do with life and death. And um, so anyhow, um, right before I was coming home, um, the night before I came home, they put, at that time, they put you in a gym, um, a gym with a bunch of beds and they have like the races like white, black, Hispanic, white, like that all mixed up. So anyhow, I'm laying down on my bunk and it was drizzling a little bit. I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm going home, God. Wow, thank you. I'm going home and you allowed me to live through this. So as I'm laying down, there was this um, black young man. I was already like 35. The Lord started showing me his, about him like at 33. But there was this young black, young black man and he was about 24, 25 years old. He was one of what they call the shot callers in the yards for the um, black um, gangs. So anyways, I'm laying there and then I hear, hey Arnold, and he never really talked to nobody. And I like looked and then he goes, Arnold. And I looked, he goes, do you know why it's raining? I go, no, why? And he says, the angels are rejoicing and their tears are wiping the street, cleaning the street and wiping them clean for you to go home to. And I like looked at him and he goes, hey, he goes, auntie raised me in church, but this is how I decided to live my life. But I thought that was God giving me confirmation that I was coming home to a new life. And then as I was leaving in the morning time, as uh, as I was leaving in the morning time, there was a group of um, correction officers standing right there talking to one another because breakfast going on. So when I was walking to R and R to go home, one of them, which was um, um, uh, what was it? Well, his name I, I don't recall, but one of them told the other ones, and I overheard this. He said, "You see that inmate right there?" I didn't hear them respond, but he says, "You'll never see him come back here again." And it's like, wow, God, wow. And I, and I paroled May 7th, 1994. And it's just been over um, 26 years and a couple of months. And by the grace of God, and only through the grace of God, only through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ by himself, I've never had another pair of handcuffs put on me. Never. I never touched a drug, ever. I never went back to the old friends. Never. And when I came home, this is the last statement I want to make. When I came home, I came home to a sister that was a deputy sheriff and a, and a, uh, a brother-in-law that was a homicide and deputy sheriff. He just retired for 30 years. But when I came home, he pulled me to the side and he said, he said, Arnold, he goes, um, let me give you this card and put it on the back of your license. So when you get stopped, you know, just show them. They'll call me up because you're on parole. And I looked at him. I said, with all due respect, I don't need your card. I have Jesus Christ in my life. I have a family that loves me. But my cousin Gilbert, he snatched it right away. But, but, I, but yeah, and he wore it out. <laughs> he wore it out. But, but, um, but, you know, God is so good. And, and, and he's just so awesome. And, and I just want to... Just tell everybody whatever struggle you are going through, whatever struggle you are going through, whatever child you have that are addicted to drugs, whatever, whatever daughter you have that is hooked on alcohol, 
there is hope in their life. There is hope because I am living hope because Jesus Christ touched me and he deserves all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.